The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Welcome to Know the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and I couldn't let 2022 roll out without getting a good session of sports in with my co-host, none other than Dwayne. What's going on, homie? Nothing much. Guess what, y'all? I am back in the Carolinas for good. I moved back on December 1st. And so no more time differentials. We are in the same time zone in the same state, and it's good to be back. All right, man. All right. You're going to check out Avengers Day? You think yes. That? Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Because we're, uh, we're maybe contemplating it a little bit. I don't know if we have to work at the arena that night because that's a busy week. Um, we have our yeah. outdoor game that week um the 18th so probably that's a saturday so that's the what the that's on a tuesday right it's in the middle of the week right it's not gonna be yeah is it Mm -mm. yeah yeah it's february 4th that's yeah saturday night um and then yeah 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 if that's on the fourth then that might be possible so but we still may have to work you never know how, how the hockey schedule is i have to look at that. but basketball yeah. pop in too so but yeah vengeance day in charlotte should be fun hopefully they uh carmelo hayes and everybody pulls out the stops for y'all so a little bit of a wrestle cash cheap plug here check that out the wrestle cash absolutely espn media uh you can hear us provide our commentary with color on pro wrestling but we're here to talk about sports sports and sports it is that time of the year where all the talk is over the polls have been debated the teams have won their championship games and lost their championship games we've had kids enter the transfer portal at record numbers yes we've got other kids being offered millions and millions, millions. of dollars <laughs> to leave their schools through NIL. So there's a whole lot of stuff going on in college football. And oh, yeah, by the way, they got games as we record this before the national semifinal playoff games as we've got Michigan taking on TCU in our first game, and we've got Ohio State taking on Georgia in our second game. So through their wild college football season. No Alabama. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, the topsy-turvy things. It looked like USC was going to be a lock, and then they couldn't win their uh, championship game against Moving to Utah again. Again, twice. Caleb Williams wins the Heisman but doesn't come through. Uh, well, actually, he actually played kind of good. His defense didn't come through for him. But uh, so there's that. Looked like at one point Tennessee was in the driver's seat and then they went and got smashed by South Carolina in that sense. <laughs> you can't go to. Stop. Stop. You, can't, 
you can't go to Columbia and get let South Carolina hang 63. <laughs> That's just not acceptable. Everybody was giving uh, LSU a shot. Looked like LSU was possibly going to be the darling of the ball. But no, they get tripped up along the way as well. And TCU, the little team that could, just keeps plugging along even with a loss in their championship game, a heroic effort by Max Duggan gets them into the championship playoffs. So, you know, the little guy finally made it through, um, even losing their championship game. It didn't have to be absolutely perfect. So that says something about the committee this year. Um, I agree. I think that when we look at TCU and the Big 12, because you remember the Big 12 was, Big 12 football is basically on life support. Mm-hmm. And now, even with TCU losing to Kansas State, yeah, um, yeah, we don't, we still don't fuck with K-State football around here. Um, even then, the Big 12 gets a team into the into the playoff, which is quite remarkable. I mean, this is a conference that had the least stable ground and now they've had they've had teams in the playoff over the last several years in spite of a lot of their teams leaving or about to leave. So it'll be interesting to see if they are still considered a power conference with their two biggest uh, schools departing. But I will say this, though, as even though it's a slightly off topic, football may be on the outs, but the future of baseball basketball is very bright. So there is that. The Ohio State Buckeyes looked like they were eliminated. Like they were going to be knocked out when they got beat by Michigan. But they are the cat with nine lives this year as they were the ones who were the beneficiaries of USC not being able to close it out in their championship game. So they're back in the picture and they're taking on uh, the team who, you know, sat upon the top of the polls most of the season, the George Bulldogs defending national champions. So, not so much about what we're going to see today because whenever this podcast gets edited, that will be old news. I'm going to talk about more about what you think is going to happen next Monday night. Who do you see playing for the championship? And tell me the strategy you think that team, the, the team you think is going to win, can use to be successful. I will say... Michigan and UGA are in the national championship. Okay. Going with the favorites? Yeah, keeping the child going with the favorites. I think that Michigan, after their last appearance in the playoff, they're motivated to right or wrong, basically, and get to the big game. And they want to win it all. I just see a different 
look in this Michigan team's eye. And, you know, it's one of those things where you know how a team comes back and they're on unfinished business. Kind of like the uh, 09 Tar Heels in basketball. That team was a team on a mission mm-hmm. after they lost in the Final Four to KU. That team was on a mission and mission was accomplished. I see that in this Michigan football team. They just have a different look, a different aura, a different feel, uh, getting that playoff experience. And I think they'll take that into the game today and then they will parlay that into a very thrilling game against Georgia. Uh, Georgia takes care of Ohio State and but one thing about the Bulldogs is that they are stacked on both sides of the ball and it's going to be really offensive minded coach against a defensive minded coach and we know offense wins games, but defenses win championships. And I think Georgia has a slightly better defense than Michigan. I see Georgia winning it all. All right. All right. And you got Georgia going back to back. Kirby Smart. But we kind of God in the Peach State. He will never have to buy anything for the rest of his life because he will be have surpassed the great Vince Dooley. And uh, that's saying something down there in the, in the land of Georgia Bulldogs. Um Vince, uh, Vince Saban, um, Nick Saban, in an unfamiliar position this year outside of the playoffs. Uh, you know, got to go back to work and, uh, you know, retool, reload. Uh, unfamiliar position for him. Do you think things have caught up to him? Or do you think, you know, you can't stay at that level for so long? You got to have a blip to, to, so you can go back up again. I think I think it's the latter. I think it's a blip. Um, right now, I you know most coaches under the Saban coaching tree don't have that success like Nick Saban. But I think Kirby is no pun intended outsmarting him and outcoaching him right now. So I think this blip will get that competitive fire under Nick to get back to the top and Alabama knows that in order to win a national championship they gotta go through Athens and so Michigan, I mean not Michigan uh, Nick Saban Alabama they're gonna use it's more time to kind of like reflect, you know regroup and, you know, he'll retool the roster. He'll make the adjustments. Uh, whoever they get out the portal, whoever leaves the portal, be a plug-and-play kind of thing. They got plenty of five-star commits that are coming in. So, uh, Bama's going to be fine, but this is a blip in the radar, and I think that will be the motivation uh, Nick Saban and company will need to get back to the top of the mountain. All right, uh, we'll talk about Drake May and this uh, this this dealings that we have heard talked about through various coaches and confirmed reports about multiple schools offering Drake May millions of dollars in NIL money to leave the University of North Carolina um, and transfer into their schools based off of the 
economics that they could provide for him. Um, everybody is calling out the just the wild, wild west nature of NIL, of the transport uh, portal, how they're kind of working in conjunction and sometimes against each other. Um, I don't know how many kids, especially freshman kids, who whose coach isn't fired or doesn't take another job would be interested in the economics because the majority of the time you go to the school for the coach in the school the coach in the gear to really be honest with you Drake May is a special case because he is a legacy at Carolina his dad was a quarterback his brother hit one of the biggest shots in North Carolina basketball history his other brother played baseball his other brother is like lacrosse I mean you know what I'm saying you know they're entrenched in North Carolina so he's not going to be tempted by the money Toss around because that's not the program that he has in his mind and his heart. But we've seen kids, um, God, what's the kid that's on like his fourth school? He just left um, the Western. Oh, the dude that left uh, to go to Oregon now. Right, yeah. Um, I can't remember the kid's name, but I mean, there's several kids out here now that are like on their fourth school where they've entered the transfer portal every year to hop around and you know, basically become paid free agents every year. Um, I think I think they got to find a way to curb that though. Yeah, they're going to have to put something down on that. Where, But it's going to be hard because that's the whole part of what makes the transfer portal so, um, I guess, attractive. It's because you don't have the waiting period anymore. You know what I'm saying? And you're not locked in to, hey, once you come here, you got to stay two years. You know, you're just committed to that year that you, you move in and then if you get the scholarship you know what I'm saying it's on a one to, it's on a year to year deal and kids are you know using that to their advantage but it's got to do a lot for chemistry and I don't know if it really necessarily makes the kid look good because then you look like you're just out here to collect checks and gear right you know what I'm saying? you're not staying anywhere long enough to any to build any real camaraderie team chemistry you know what I'm saying it's like oh okay you're not going to be here next year well dad we just did all this work and changed everything for you and to accommodate you because I mean the kid that we're talking about he's like starting at places it's not like he's coming in and just being a backup I mean he's uh-huh. at places right so yeah it's it's, a, it's, it's something that they're going to have to try to figure it out they've didn't have control of it and said do what you want and now that people are doing what they want and it's getting out of hand now they're trying to go back and figure it out and they're having a hard time very very hard time yeah yeah and, and also when you look at the when you look at the transfer portal and all the moves that have been made and you see 
Yeah, you see the especially the schools that are are smaller. You know, this is where they're gonna have to really hit the recruiting trail hard and get these. You know, two, three star QBs. I mean, not the QBs, but players, because all most of your players are either going to be going to look for bigger names, and then it's, it'll be on USC. So, I mean, schools like USC and and uh, you know the power schools that are letting people go into the transfer portal to plug and play those, like you said, plug and play those um, positions. And it's going to be, like said, a lot of work. And I just hope they have long... Um, it's going to be a long winter. It's going to be a very long winter at the end of the day. And we're going to see, I mean, the moves that are going to be made in this port are basically, so it's going to be like NFL free agency. Like, mm-hmm. who's going to go where? Like, it's going to be a frenzy. And, you know, you already had um, primetime taking over Colorado and, And yeah, his kids from Jackson. Yeah, bring his kids from Jackson, bring in new recruits as well. And at the end of the day, he's going to find, he's got to find a way to um, spread the wealth, basically. Uh, on a quick topic before we get out of college football, do you think Dion will be successful? in Colorado do you think okay let's say this do you think he will make a conference championship game in his time in Colorado after you well considering the Pac-12 East has Utah he's got to find a way to get by Utah because Utah's obviously running the Pac-12 East and And with the way they beat USC twice this year, I'm not too big on uh, was not too big on him getting to the conference championship just yet. I think he'll have a winning season. I think he'll have winning energy, but. I still think that'll be that'll be um, Utah's division to lose. All right, all right. We're gonna shift it over to the NFL here on No the Score. I'm with my co-host Dwayne. I'm your host Don Delarente. All right, Dwayne. If we would have laid it out to you, hey, you know what? You're going to fire Matt Rule. Baker Mayfield's going to play bad, and you're going to get rid of him. You're going to go back to Sam Darnold. 
Mm-hmm. You trade Christian McCaffrey finally because you you know you're you you you're realizing that you need to rebuild and this is the best way to do it. You're gonna let Steve Wilkes be the coach. You're gonna get rid of DJ Moore because he doesn't want to be here anymore. I mean, excuse me, Robbie Anderson because he doesn't want to. I'm about to say, hold on now. Robbie Anderson, because he don't like the quarterback situation and how that went down. He don't want to be here anymore. You're gonna get down. There. You're gonna get rid of him. And in the second to last game, after I told you all of that drama and turmoil and dysfunction was gonna happen with your football team, your favorite football team, I said, hey, in the second to last game, if you can beat Tom Brady in the Bucks, you are going to the playoffs. Would you taken it? Would you believe me? No. I mean, all those things that you wanted happen with Matt Rule getting fired, and I absolutely really wanted, uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey traded. But I mean, it's a smart team business decision, so it is. You, know, you don't have to really go that far to be like, I see what they did, and, and I can see that they're looking long term for the future. So those right. two big dominoes happen. You had a malcontent on your team. You got rid of him. You said you don't want to be here. You're disrespecting people. We'll get you out of here. We don't need that type of energy. You had a quarterback that eh, kind of eh, all season eh, didn't like he was going to get better. And when you give him a second chance, you were like, okay, it's no need to waste time and waste money. Got rid of him, too. You did so many things right this year from a team standpoint. And now you have a chance to go to the playoffs. Things are looking up for the Panthers, I think. They are. Now, keep their coach. That is the $100 million question. They should. I think they should. I, he at least should get more than just a token, hey, minority candidate interview. Exactly. And once he puts this team over, they were one for and it was set of disarray. That rose on, finally, and good riddance. Um, if I had known this was going to happen, I would just be like, you could not write a better possible ending. And now, with the NFC South on the line, even though every team in the NFC South is horrible, but, oh, division wins a division win, right? Mm-hmm. So, so, I'm excited because look at, look at what, look at what has happened over the last several months. After Matt Rule gets fired, they trade Baker Mayfield, they trade Christian McCaffrey. And I understand why they did that. I get it. I'm not. At the end of the day, I'm not upset with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at this team, PJ Walker, this team is really just a uh, excessive celebration penalty from being 7 and 8. 
Mm-hmm. DJ Moore completely lost his mind. I mean, it was a play to lose your mind, but you can't do it if it's you not. Can't do it. Right. <laughs> you can't do it. And, and because of that, you know, because of that, Pinero misses the PAT. Yeah. And Robbie Anderson, he gets traded to Arizona. He hasn't done anything in Arizona since his arrival. All I did was see him on the sideline with his crazy hair one time. That's uh, Cliff Kingsbury. Then um, uh, we'll see what else happened. The emergence of Deontay Foreman. I thought Christian McCaffrey would be that was the nail in the coffin. That was basically the Panthers take taking off and riding into the sunset towards the number one pick. But Steve Wilkes has done one heck of a job. He knows the city. He knows this area. He graduated from a high school with Charlotte High School. Um, so he knows what it takes to get a winner here and maintain the success because the Panthers have made it to 128 I guess it's 128 Um, so they made it this far and at the end of the day, Deontay Foreman has emerged as the top rusher threat. You got the inside with Foreman. You got the outside with Hubbard. Uh, look what they did with the Lions. That inside-outside tandem was amazing. And what happens when you run the ball? Sam Darnold plays a whole lot better. Mm-hmm. Remember, Sam Darnold was 3-0 and before Christian McCaffrey got hurt. And then the wheels fell off for the Panthers after that. Mm-hmm. But uh, since this, since he's returned into the lineup, um, you know, Panthers have been three and one, and that's because once again, a healthy running game leads to a more efficient and better overall passer. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm trying to see here for for my um, for my uh, what's the word dad uh, response. So here's my thing: we can beat the Bucks. We did it before twenty-one to three. And and that was in Carolina. We can do it again. I think that is gonna you're gonna have to find a way to attack that left side because that is the weaker of the two. Uh, Tampa Bay's have rotating left tackles like a revolving door, and if Eater Gross Matos or Brian Murch is ever on that side, can wreak havoc on that side that will make it a lot easier to put pressure 
And that's another thing, the pressure from Burns, this young, very young offensive line is getting the job done. Mm-hmm. And I I would not have ever guessed Carolina being in the hunt at this point, but I will take it any day of the week. I am thankful for the moves that were made. Scott Federer has done a great job with the mess that he inherited. And, you know, he was patient with Matt Rule. And and that's really about it. I really think that there's a chance. And we really can sneak into the playoffs and even possibly even beat Dallas. Because Dallas is looking pretty iffy themselves. Well, if you flip it over to my favorite team. Left hand up. Tell me, hey, you're going to start one and four. Carson Wentz is going to look terrible. Your rookie running back is going to shine in preseason, get shot, and miss the first six games. You're going to have to play Taylor Heineke for nine games. You're going to have a 5-2-1 record. And basically control your own destiny to win two games to be in the playoffs before the season. Would I take it? Yes, I would. Going back to Carson Wentz of the Commanders to try to jumpstart their offense and get some more points on the board to see if they can figure out some way to score points in the red zone. Two losses, the tie and the loss to the Giants will really come back to hurt them if they can't find a way to win these last two games and get themselves into the playoffs. Uh, The tie, not so much, because if you watch the game, it was a game that they were on the verge of losing, got some breaks as far as some bad penalties, and then, you know, some Taylor Heineke magic and they ended up getting into overtime, and then, you know, overtime is overtime. But the game at home coming off the bye, that's the game you got to have right there. That is the game you got to have. You put the Giants away, you leapfrog them, you get into the sixth spot, you lose to San Francisco like everybody thought you would, and now if the same things play out where Seattle loses and Detroit loses and all these other teams lose, you're still in the the sixth spot and all you have to do is win one more game and you would lock yourself in. But no, they like to do things the hard way and uh, Taylor Heineke's magic started running out, started turning the ball over, and those turnovers put defense in bad positions. And when you play these, you know, conservative-style offense, you can't have turnovers. You can't have turnovers that lead directly to points, whether they're touchdowns or field goals. And uh, that's what happened to him the last two games. And uh, so now we're going back to Carson Wentz, see what Carson Wentz can do, see if his uh, time on the sideline, just more knowledge of the playbook, more knowledge watching the offense, somebody else running the offense that knows what they're doing, see if that helps him become a better quarterback for these two games. Basically, he's in the same position he was last year. He's got two games to win. If he can win these two games, he can get his team into the playoffs. And then you never know, man. Carson Wentz can get hot. He's fresh. He hasn't been hit in quite a while. Um, you know, if he can if he can if he can pull something off and play to his utmost best right here in Washington somehow 
get in the playoffs and win a game or somehow win two games. You never know, man. The sentiment might change around Carson Wentz. He might be back in Washington next year. Maybe not, of course, for the price tag he was this year, but it would uh, it would not it would not it would really unless it, w- it would not surprise me if he was back. But then again, things around Washington are going to hinge around the biggest news for Washington Commanders fans, Washington, D.C. itself. Not who's the president, but who is Dan Snyder going to sell the team to? It looks like it is official from all accounts. He's going to try to give up a majority ownership of the team. Uh, A lot of people are speculating Jeff Bezos and Jay-Z in a collaborative effort. Matthew McConaughey's name has been kind of thrown in with them. Uh, Snyder and Jeff Bezos don't really have a good relationship, so people are like, they don't know if Snyder would sell it to Bezos, but they think the league would kind of pressure him and uh, and make it advantageous for him to go ahead and get up out of the paint. So... um, all of that remains a speculation because new ownership could come in and and they could have Sean Payton up under their wing and be like, yo, Ron, good job, you're out. And we got Sean Payton and such and such quarterback and we finna go try to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, so you never know um, with the ownership change, regime change at the top, what could happen. But um, it's going to be a very interesting last two weeks and then once these two weeks are over if they make it to the playoffs and but once the playoffs are over and they're eliminated if this sell of the team is going to be the biggest news in sports and in uh football because the number they're talking is large super large and uh it'll be a, a glorious day a lot of fans of the washington football team washington commanders washington redskins will reappear out of the bushes once Snyder is gone. Just his mere presence and ownership of the team has kept people away and driven people away in droves and they're waiting for his removal so they can again have some rooting interest in the team. Uh, Other things going on, Lamar Jackson still injured. Uh, Doesn't look like he's going to make it at least this week against the Steelers. Uh, Mike Tomlin fighting, scratching, clawing to get to that 500 record. Um, Steelers looking better and better each week. Looks like they they could possibly, if they win this game against the Ravens this week, get there uh, in their last game next week. Um, Patrick Mahomes looks like he's on his way to winning the MVP after uh, Jalen Hurts had a a separated shoulder or injury. Beware, Burrow. And uh, can't and isn't gonna play these hasn't played the last two weeks. Uh, once this week is concluded, uh, Joe Burrow, they if they can win out, he might be able to sneak in as a dark horse just because that'll be like nine or ten wins in a row, and the people that he would have beaten in that stretch would have been phenomenal. Like he would have beat like all the front runners, Mahomes toe to toe. I think they played Buffalo. He would have, you know, he would have beat uh, Allen toe to toe. So yeah, if he does this, pulls this off and they win their last two games. Yeah. Burrow definitely will have a, a argument in it. Um, Chargers going to the playoffs for the first time under Justin Herbert and uh, their coach. So, people are excited for them. He finally, you know, got them, literally him himself this year due to all the injuries and 
and just you know normal charger things that happened to them he got them to the playoffs um his career is starting to look a lot like Phillip Rivers without LaDainian Tomlinson's. Oh. <laughs> um, you've got Nathaniel Hackett fired after 15 games out in Denver. Uh, you knew that was going to come. You didn't know how soon, though. They couldn't cut Russell Wilson too much money. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett's offense did not look good. Uh, they actually scored some points uh, this time, this week, but they gave up 55 and uh-huh. national TV and uh, during Christmas and everybody's seen it and uh, yeah so Denver's new management was like that's enough that's it and uh, <laughs> people are speculating Sean Payton over there with uh, Denver but who knows who knows who knows who knows you gotta trade for Sean Payton you gotta give up compensation if you want Sean Payton so you gotta have something to offer the Saints that would be attractive for them to give Sean Payton's rights up to another franchise. Um, that's the tricky, sticky, icky, icky part of uh, the Sean Payton deal. Um, Jets fighting for their playoff lives. Bill Belichick fighting for his playoff life. Uh, a lot of un-Bill Belichick things happening with his team this year. A lot of people are starting to question is, uh, you know, Belichick kind of losing his grip, losing his touch. Uh, right now uh, offense looks crappy defense is still good but they're just making bonehead plays like the loss to the Oakland Raiders and the fumble last week down here against the uh, the Bengals and times and crucial times so a lot of questions there a lot of um, a lot of uh, speculation about Tom Brady, what he's going to do after the season a lot of speculation on Aaron Rodgers but I think Aaron Rodgers is going to stay put get that $25 million. I think Jordan Love is the person that people are going to have to maybe take a look at and somebody might take a chance on him see what he can do. Give him some money in the free agent market coming up this year. Uh, looks like I don't know if Malik Willis is going to it's going to be the He's on the verge of being the black Zach Wilson. Yeah, if he's going to be long for this league because uh, they pulled the dude off the street and Joshua Dobbs who never started Start this game. You played a whole lot better, even though they lost. Yeah, he did look good uh, in that game. He had turnovers, a couple of fumbles, uh, but he did lead the offense down with Tannehill hurt. So, uh, yeah, they got a game for the Marbles next week against the Jaguars. If the Jaguars win, they're going to the playoffs. If the Titans win, they're going to the playoffs. It's in Jacksonville. Uh, Trevor Lawrence uh, in his second year has really, really taken that next step. Which makes the Zach Wilson situation a whole lot worse. Yes. It looked like he got maybe injured for the season uh, about three weeks ago, a month ago. Uh, He took a low low hit, but uh, it it turned out to be that he was okay. And, uh, man, he's played so well ever since. Uh, that game was against Detroit. They got blown out that game. But ever since that game, uh, Jacksonville has has really looked impressive. And uh, Trevor Lawrence is doing exactly what uh, I told my cousin. I was like, man, you ain't got no expectations. I was like, really? What you just want to see is a quarterback, A, not get hurt, and B, just get better every week. And he's been doing that. And now they got a chance to maybe go to the playoffs on top of it. So that's just gravy. On, on top of the on top of the dish, um, anything else that that you want to touch on in NFL before we kind of move on to uh, um, keep an eye on the 
yeah, I would say keeping on the number one seed in the AFC. Um, the AFC North is on the line. Might see the Ravens in back-to-back primetime weeks. Um, it might be Ravens Bengals Sunday night for the AFC North crown. You think that's a, that's a tough spot to bring Lamar back in after missing so many weeks, man? In a, right. For the division, and depending on how else other things work out, it may be a game for your playoffs too. Uh, I I don't think I like when I go back to doing fantasy. I don't think it'll be a. I don't think I can do an 18th week. Um. But it is risky to bring Lamar back. But if you have a chance to get a home game and not have to play three on the road, you might want to plug him in anyway. Yeah, yeah, I, I see the, I see the logic behind that. But man, that that is a tough spot to 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 come back in. A lot of pressure, a lot of stakes. It's like you know you'd like to kind of <laughs> ease him in if you could, but you know. They've kind of missed that cushion and and time. Um, People talking about the Packers, uh, they're thinking it's like a foregone conclusion. Washington's just going to lose. So that's been kind of a little bit of sour taste for me listening to the national shows. Everybody's just, you know, what about the Packers if they get in there? Like, the Packers aren't even in the playoffs. There's a team still sitting in sixth. But, um, you know, that's not as juicy. A lot has to happen for Green Bay to make the playoffs. It's not as, you know. He's not Aaron Rodgers. So, NFC, I think, is still wide open. Uh, this thing with Philadelphia being now uh, hurts being injured, and now you don't see him for a couple of weeks and, and presumably won't see him in the last game. And then if they get the first place, Bob won't. Maybe they'll play him a quarter or something, quarter and a half, just to kind of, you know, get in the field and prepare for the game playing in the game, speed the game, and then they're going to be going by, and then here you go with them in the playoffs. So uh, Philadelphia may be set up for a possible uh, letdown in the playoffs just because they're going to be maybe off rhythm, you know, with how well they've been playing. He's been so reliable and so consistent all year. Now they've, you know, he's hurt out of the lineup. How's that going to affect them going down the line? Um and then all the other teams, man. I mean, this, I mean, I, their defense is terrible. But if it's within a touchdown or ten points in the fourth quarter, Kirk Cousins might get you, Bo. And the way it's been looking, he's been getting a lot of people now. He, if you better get him, if you're gonna get him, you better go ahead and get him. Like in the first half, go ahead and knock him out. But even that didn't work against the uh, the, the Colts because I swore thirty three to nothing they was knocked out. <laughs> I thought they were dead to rights, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, uh, momentum just shifted, and next thing you know, Minnesota was up, and I'm like. How, how do you let that happen? Like, and for Indianapolis, go get a quarterback, please. Um, bringing in, bringing in old vets has not worked out. Yeah, well, it ran out of time. It ran out of steam this year. They they kind of had been kind of getting by with it the past couple of years, but. 
yeah, it finally ran out of steam for them this year. They're going to have to go, you know, draft somebody. Um, finally go ahead and bite that bullet. But, I mean, it's just so hard because every time you look at a draft class, you're always like, well, I'd rather wait for next year's. And then that year comes. And then, of course, there's a guy or two who doesn't perform as good as you were expecting them to. And then you have a whole different view on the draft class. Like, um, it, like, it's, like if I was a team that needed a quarterback, in the second round, maybe even the third, I would pick Malik Hooker. And say, look, you're not going to play at all this year. You're going to come to camp. You're going to come to OTAs. You're going to get 100% healthy. And all you're going to do is study and learn. We're going to, every week, we're going to give you a set of series of plays that you're going to run, starter plays that you're going to run with the third string. It, you know, these are, you know, going to give you kind of like starter reps once or twice a week. And we're going to get you ready for next year, son. And that's what I would do if I was an NFL team. And left hand up. Yeah, we'll see, man. We'll see what we got going on. They've uh, they're gonna be in the running again for a, a quarterback. Um, Ron Rivera can't afford to go get a, a rookie because that would set everybody else back on the team. So he's gonna have to go try to find a veteran. Derek Cargo costs a lot, and we just got through forty point. Oh yeah, the forty million. Yeah, and, and we need offensive because you know the hallmark of any Ron Rivera football team is a weak offensive line. So we got to figure out. Our offensive line uh, as well as a quarterback and then and then we got Deron Payne he's up and then we got uh, yeah we got Sweat he's gonna be up then Chase so I mean it's like it's a tight tight window but it could happen if we could get sprinkled the right quarterback on top of us yeah um yeah I think I mean and it kind of goes back to the – as long as the Jets don't trade another quarterback to Carolina. Uh, but I think – and this has always been my thing with Sam. If he has a good running game behind him, he actually does better. Mm-hmm. That's my you can't, you can't put – yeah, and you can't put – and he can make the deep throw. Like, the bomb he hit to DJ Moore was amazing last week. Um, and Sam can do good things. And I think the Jets really didn't give him an offensive line. Like he has an offensive line, a pretty consistent offensive line. Aquan has been phenomenal at the left tackle position. I did not. I knew he would be good, but I didn't think he would be this good this fast. Uh, and then. Brady Christensen, Barry Bozeman, Austin Corbett, Taylor Moton, they've done a great job up front. And you give him time to make the throws, this is what happens. Um, my concern with Tampa Bay, though, will be Devin White. He has, Devin White has a lot of speed and he comes off that blitz pretty good. And then... Um, and now with Sam Darnold doing pretty well, kind of now, once again, kind of goes back to Zach Wilson. Like, 
we gave up that for this and now I don't know if Wilson's been deemed inactive for the rest of the season I don't know if that was true or not but I think the whole thing with Zach Wilson has been kind of like Kyle Bowler like everybody was so enamored with his arm but nobody was like can this dude play they was like oh he can throw it and oh he looks so good when he throws it and oh when he rolls out look at how pretty it is when he throws it but if he if he can only throw it far you're no good in NFL because the quarterbacks really really are special and really go to the next next level and become great are the quarterbacks who complete 70-80% of balls between 5 and 12 yards it's great that you can throw that bit 65 in the air and one out of four times hit the dude perfect in the hands but if you can't complete that ball consistently on second and six for eight yards, third and nine for 11, you're not going to make it in the NFL. And that's what he doesn't do good. And so I think that's what the evaluation of these quarterbacks, that's what happens with some of these guys. Like you get so caught up in arm talent and this and that like how accurate is this dude uh huh and now how accurate is he and then on top of that how how um does he have like the like does he have the mental capacity to make those accurate throws because yeah well it all goes back to what I'm, I've always said. I don't think that the NFL does a lot of these guys in college a lot of favors because you take these guys that stand in these systems that have no resemblance to an NFL offense. They don't even they don't even try anymore. At least back in the day, they would be, you know, if you know if you went to, you know, Florida State, you'd be in a pro-style offense. Or if you went to USC, you'd be in a pro-style, what they quote-unquote called a pro-style offense at the time. No, nobody ain't doing that anymore. But then when these quarterbacks come to the NFL, all of a sudden, now you expect them to acclimate to a pro-style offense. And it's like, okay, who's going to be the people with enough balls to say, I guess Cliff Kingsbury was, but it's quarterback small. Can't do nothing with that. So so who's going to be the offensive guy, the offensive coach? I, I guess Andy Reid to an extent who's smart enough and figured it out to say, okay, my kid is not really that proficient in taking snaps and reading things from underneath the center. So let's develop an offense that he can go with and we'll just figure it out from there. And Kansas City's offense and to an effect Cincinnati's offense, Kansas City's offense, the Chargers offense, Buffalo's offense, right? They're they're 
getting to that point where it's like, yeah, this looks like college. And their quarterbacks don't look like they're having to learn and, and redefine themselves. Whereas, you know, you get these Zach Wilsons and these kids and they're, you know, going to these systems like, you know, the Shanahan system is not really conducive to what Zach Wilson likes to do. Yeah, that's more conducive to what Tua likes to do. Again, somebody who's accurate in that, you know, 8 to 15 yard passing range who can, you know, throw it deep enough to keep teams honest. Yeah, so that's that. Before we uh, get out of here, I just want to give Dwayne one chance to uh, to, to talk about what his amazing <laughs> mess doing in free agency. They, they have spent a gazillion dollars. They're going to pay another gazillion dollars in taxes. And the, you know who the happiest people in baseball are? The Pittsburgh Pirates. Because they're going to, or whoever is going to be the worst team coming up, because they're going to be the worst team and collect a boatload of money uh, when people don't show up to their games after opening day and 4th of July Memorial Day. Uh, because the New York Mets are on a mission to win the World Series. I like it. <laughs> I listen, when you've been a fan of a team that have had cheap owners who got caught up in Ponzi schemes and you've had to watch you've had to watch literally um other teams spend the money get a championship in order to spend money you got in order to get a championship you have to invest in the team right you gotta open up the wallet right yeah yeah so just and so yeah so this is the only thing i'm not a fan i'm not a fan of the ages of these signings justin rarelander phenomenal pitcher hall of famer but he's almost 40. Max Scherzer, Hall of Fame talent, great pitcher. He's almost 40. Hmm. Um, when we saw what Matt, we saw what happens with Max Scherzer in the postseason. He throws beach balls. <laughs> and he threw beach balls in game one of that wild card against the Padres in his start. And that was probably one of the catalysts for the Mets not being able to fully recover. Now, the one thing that they didn't do, which I was happy with, I think they wanted Jake back, but they were going to give him the length of time, given his medical history. Mm-hmm. Understandable. Rangers went on ahead and paid that. I said, you want to talk about another team spending a whole lot of money, look at what the Rangers are doing. Mm-hmm. They're not spending as much as the Mets, but they're spending a lot. And the return on investment for the Rangers has been very poor. At least the Mets did win 101 games this season. Just saying. Um, So So let's talk about Carlos Correa and how you 
just snake that man away from the San Francisco Giants. No, we had a had a had an offer for this man. He was signed on paper. He was in San Francisco with his clothes off, giving his physical. And then at the ninth hour, I don't know if they got a different offer, but all of a sudden you start hearing like, "Hey, something's up." Uh, they it, they floated it out like, oh, there was something up with his medicals. But in actuality, it was the New York Mets coming in here, doubling the freaking years and giving them like 0.75, like 1.75 the amount of money more too. Hold on, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. So let's 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 clear all this up. So you know y'all was playing dirty pool. <laughs> let's clear this up. So first of all. Did Correa go to the Giants and sign the contract? Well, he didn't sign the contract. They verbally agreed on it. It's a verbal agreement. It's not binding. It was 12 years, 350. Okay. He basically took took the physical. Physical was going to fail because he had a he had a uh, pre-existing medical issue. So this is what I did. I went up to I went up to um, double check this, and so the concerns that the Giants had were on his right leg, and then they wanted to make sure that of course that I was doing the right decision um but um what am I gonna say here but so things started to accelerate the talk started to accelerate with the Mets and Scott Boris who's Korea's agent and they and it wasn't twice the length, it was the same length the Giants offered at 35 million less. So it was 12 years, 315. And Correa would have been moving to third base. However, the Mets have the same concerns as the Giants had, and they haven't signed him yet, but they're trying to negotiate through it. I don't think Correa wants to move off of the contract offer only because only because it's uh, what's the word I'm looking for uh, because of the medical situation of uh, the Mets are just having second thoughts and just like the Giants have those concerns and now what's going to happen is hopefully they will come to some kind of agreement which will allow Korea to be a Met. And because when I saw this at five o'clock in the morning, I was hyped up. You know how bad it is to have cheap owners your whole life and then to finally have somebody who has money to actually want to spend on the team and want to get a championship? This is a different feeling. And I like it. <laughs> I love it. It is amazing to have an owner 
that listens to the people an owner that cares an owner that wants to succeed it is everything and then so alright 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 Dwayne as we head into the new year man we're getting everybody caught up a little bit on what we missed out on there's a lot more stories that just don't have time to cover here in, in this particular uh, episode but I'd just like to thank you for joining me w- wishing you and your family a happy new year and uh, just give me a quick parting thought uh, as we wrap this up my parting thought is the Sacramento Kings. They've been the NBA's doormat for the last decade and a half, almost two years. They haven't made the playoffs since, what, 2006? But Mike Brown takes over as head coach. They added, they drafted Keegan Murray from, from Iowa. They have a healthy DeMontis Sabonis, brought Rashawn Holmes back. Harrison Barnes gets extended. De'Aaron Fox is the face of the franchise, and the Kings are currently fifth in the West. Did anybody have that on the bingo card? I know I did. Negative. <laughs> so, keep an eye on the Sacramento Kings. These are not the Sacramento Kings that have been the laughing stock of the NBA uh, for a very long time. This is a team that's competitive. They want to win. Kevin Herter nailed a dagger three to put the Kings up and gave them the win last night. This is a team that is going to be a force in the West and possibly a very tough out. And it'll be great to hear those cowbells ringing on the national stage once again in Sacramento in their new building. A lot of things going on in the NBA right now. Um, you know, you got Luka Doncic out here doing James Harden-like things uh, for the Dallas Mavericks. You've got, of course, Anthony Davis hurt, LeBron and the Lakers struggling again. You got your Boston Celtics clearly on a mission, even though they, you know, struggled here a little bit uh, over the past couple of weeks. You've got Steph Curry out here hurt. You got, yeah, uh, yeah, he's going to freaking win the jet three years in a row, and people are going to be so mad. So mad. I mean, nah, uh, Luca might get him because, I mean, Luca's just putting up, I would say, video game numbers, but, I mean, it's hard to do that shit in the video game he did the other night. 60 points, 21 rebounds, and 10 assists. I mean, if you can do something that Wilt hasn't done when it comes to points and rebounds, you're pretty good. Yeah, it might be enjoying. You're pretty good. So that's that. Uh, my parting thought is just going to be on my Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, started out the season on a nice little winning streak. Then they hit a little rough patch. Uh, had a little stretch of hockey where they weren't playing that well, but they've won 10 in a row. They've got a 15-game point streak, 
And uh, yeah, man, they've gone from being fourth in their division to now first, and they're extending their lead. And, uh, you know, it looks like things are humming along uh, quite well as we're heading towards uh, the halfway mark in the season, all-star break trade trade deadline. So uh, hopefully good health and good goaltending continues to benefit the team and uh, they can head into the Stanley Cup playoffs on all cylinders and survive the Stanley Cup playoffs as a healthy team. South Florida All-Star game. Yep, yep, yep. Was talking to the GM about it uh, uh, the other day uh, when I was uh, over by his suite and talking about, uh, you know, guys going down and him, him going down and they said they don't have league meetings this year so he has a home in Florida so he's going to actually treat it as a chance to take a true vacation. So, He's looking forward to that, actually. So, uh, so yeah, so good luck to the Carolina Hurricanes going forward. Got a big win over the Panthers last night, another shutout win. Uh, so, yeah, things are looking up for the Hurricanes, and it's been a lot of fun uh, back in the building in Raleigh uh, in this month of December. So, for my co-host, Dwayne, I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and now you know the score.